This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn how operating differently can help you overcome the pressures facing your dealership today at reyrey.com slash operate differently. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, June 20th, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News here in Detroit. And I'm Kellen Walker in Las Vegas. Today on the show, Hyundai will launch a new electric vehicle platform with eyes on double-digit profit margins. Rivian jumps on the Tesla charging network bandwagon. And Carlos Ghosn sues Nissan for a cool billion dollars. Plus, Detroit Auto Show organizers say this year's show will be bigger and better. But will it really? From what we've seen so far, based on the statements we've gotten from some of these companies, I don't know that it's even going to match or exceed last year. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Hyundai Motor is planning to launch a new electric vehicle platform with an eye on the next decade. The new platform will replace the one used in today's Ionic 5 and Ionic 6, and the Korean automaker hopes it will lead to double-digit profit margins on EVs by 2030. By then, it aims to sell 2 million EVs a year. The profitability push involves building more EVs in mixed production with internal combustion vehicles at existing assembly plants. Hyundai will also roll out next-generation batteries. Those will include lithium-iron phosphate power packs from 2025 and improved nickel-cobalt-manganese ones. Lithium metal and solid-state batteries are also under development with solid-state pilot production being prepared. Rivian has reached an agreement to access Tesla's supercharger network starting next year. It will also incorporate Tesla's charging port design into its future electric vehicles. The move follows in the footsteps of Ford and General Motors, which cut similar fast-charge deals with Tesla over the last month. Rivian said it will provide a charging adapter for its current vehicles next year so they can access 12,000 superchargers. Rivian currently uses the combined charging system port, while Tesla uses its own North American charging standard. As you may have seen on the front page of this week's automotive news, General Motors has been putting billions of dollars into its ability to make big, profitable pickups and SUVs that will pay for the company's transition to electric vehicles. Now, it's beefing up its diesel business. GM plans to spend $920 million to expand its D-MAX diesel engine factory near Dayton, Ohio, and prepare for future production of powertrain products for heavy-duty trucks. The automaker says it will expand the existing 250,000-square-foot Brookville, Ohio site by building a 1.1 million-square-foot addition and bring in new equipment and technology. GM did not disclose details or timing for the future products. And former Nissan chairman Carlos Ghosn is suing the automaker for more than a billion dollars. The lawsuit was filed with the public prosecutor's office in Lebanon, where Ghosn lives now. It accuses Nissan, along with two other companies and 12 named individuals, of crimes including defamation, slander, and libel, as well as fabricating material evidence. Ghosn was once a leading figure in the global car industry. He was arrested in Japan in late 2018 and charged with financial misconduct. He denied the charge and said his detention was part of a plot by Nissan executives to block a merger with alliance partner Renault, which Ghosn also led. 
Gon fled to his childhood home of Lebanon in late 2019, hidden in a box aboard a private jet. He said he was escaping a rigged justice system in Japan. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, Toyota last week announced their plans on new EV batteries. Now Hyundai is launching a new EV platform. How do you compare the two? You know, they really tell me that EVs today just aren't good enough. You know, Hyundai has out the Ionic 5, Ionic 6. These cars have been racking up awards, but they really, they need to bring the cost down. They need to make them more um, available to consumers. And the same, you know, Toyota, like they can make an electric vehicle, but they're not going to build a big, healthy business uh, with the technology they have now. That's why they're trying to figure out, well, if we can do a 900 mile battery, yeah, maybe now we're talking about something interesting. So there's still a, a lot of development, a lot of breakthroughs that need to happen to make EVs really successful. I guess I would add the other thing that really jumps out at me, you were talking about 2 million Hyundai and Genesis vehicles, an additional 1.6 million Kias. Uh, you put those together, you get about 3.5 million, which is basically the same as what Toyota is looking to produce. And you know, Toyota's taken such a beating for their lack of enthusiasm about EVs. Uh, we don't get the same kind of criticism from Hyundai and Kia, maybe because they're offering more EVs here in the U.S. and, of course, building their big battery factory and, uh, and assembly plant here. Interesting. Coming up, we'll talk about this year's Detroit Auto Show and why statements from organizers don't seem to add up. That's next on Daily Drive. Economic uncertainty, vehicle affordability, and ever-increasing customer expectations are threatening the profitability and efficiency gains you've made over the last couple of years. You may be finding the strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. You offer online options so customers can begin the buying process remotely, but your salespeople have to rebuild the deal or correct it during the in-store appointment. You ask your advisors to be proactive about calling customers to get work approved, but still wind up with occupied bays and stalled jobs when the customer doesn't answer the phone. Your business office clerks are trying to process deal jackets faster, but funding still takes weeks. The strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. Getting better at outdated and inefficient processes will only get you so far. Let's face it, Netflix isn't a household name because they got really good at mailing DVDs. And nearly half of Apple's revenue comes from the iPhone, not from the computers the company was founded on. These companies evolved as new challenges presented themselves instead of sticking with the status quo. It's time for a mindset shift. It's time to operate differently. Finding new and innovative ways to operate is essential to effectively managing the pressures facing your dealership. Visit rayray.com slash operate differently to get started. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Last year's Detroit Auto Show was a shadow of its former self. The North American International Auto Show had long been a bright spot on the automotive industry's calendar. Big product reveals, multi-million dollar displays, dozens of international brands in one place to talk about their plans for the coming year. But 2022, when it became the North American International Detroit Auto Show, felt different. The displays were sparse. We got only one big reveal, the new generation of Mustang. Few brands even bothered to show up, and organizers never released attendance figures. They say this year will be different. They've promised twice as many brands on the show floor. Our own Michael Martinez and his reporting colleagues have been looking into that claim, and it doesn't match reality. 
I caught up with Mike here at our offices in Detroit. Michael Martinez, welcome back to Daily Drive. Thanks for having me. So it looks like we're going to have an auto show in Detroit this fall, the second September event. What do we know about the plans? Well, the auto show folks say it's going to be a bigger, better Detroit auto show. I'm not so sure either of those are going to be the case uh, based on some reporting we've done. Folks I've talked to, folks you've talked to, will certainly have something at the convention center and around downtown (laughs) Detroit in mid-September. I'm just not sure it's going to be what they want it to be. Yeah, or what anybody wants it to be. Uh, You know, that... They came out with that claim that they were going to have double the number of brands uh, represented, which didn't really pass the smell test off the start, but it's well, that's what they said, right? So we started, uh, you and, and, uh, and your colleagues, the other reporters, started calling the brands and asking them, are you, are you coming back to Detroit? Are you going to have a stand? Are you going to have a press conference? Uh, the results were not very uh, promising for the Detroit show. Not so much, because most of the people who didn't show up last year, aren't coming back this year. And even one brand, Subaru, which did have a corporate sponsored stand last year, said on the record, they're not coming back this year. So they're minus one, according to our tally. Now it should be noted that there's still is three months right Mm -hmm. before the show and the show folks promise exciting updates about mystery brands that are supposedly coming back. So we don't know everybody yet. The other issue is there seems to be some wonkiness in terms of how they're describing participation, because in the 2022 show, according to the floor map that everybody saw, which was public, (laughs) there were 14 brands represented from a number of automakers, mostly the Detroit three. 14 of the corporate supported brands. Then there were another 16 or so, 16 or 18 that were identified uh, or were listed, but those were only going to be dealer presented brands, uh, pulling cars off of their lot so that at least there would be a Honda and an Acura there that, that people could see. And that's the key difference because typically when media like us say brands represented, we're talking about the corporate stands. And for a while, that's what the show has counted too. But this year they're counting corporate, they're counting regional, they're counting dealer sponsored displays, cars on carpet, very basic. These aren't the sort of million dollar plus elaborate multi-floor stands that the automakers put up. This is very bare bones. Mm -hmm. Again, like you said, dealers having something to show to hopefully get people to come in to their stores. So that's kind of weird that they didn't used to count them and now they are counting them and that's how they're claiming to get to these numbers. If they had just said it in the absence of any context, just said we expect to have 30 or 40 brands on the floor, some people might think that that's a big increase if they're looking from the 14 that there were last year. Uh, Others might say, well, that's about what you had last year if you count the dealer brands and those that the North American Car and Truck of the Year contest brought in, including Rivian. But they literally said they were going to double the number of brands participating. And if you count the same way year to year, there's almost no way you can claim that there are, you know, automobile, you know, vehicle brands <laughs> represented in, in a greater sense than they were last year. It's tough. And then also sort of separate from that, you have to start to look at, okay, despite the amount of brands being represented, how many reveals are we actually mm-hmm. going to get? How, what does that representation actually look like? And from what we've seen so far, based on the statements we've gotten from some of these companies, 
I don't know that it's even going to match or exceed last year. Again, there's plenty of time to change that. We could be proven wrong. We're not arguing for or against anything here. Just saying, based on what these companies have said, it, it doesn't look great. Even the Detroit Three, who sort of really carried the show last year, mostly Ford, with the big reveal of the Mustang and Hart Plaza, had everybody outside. It was a beautiful night. Fun Very event. exciting. They still, if you read their statement, haven't publicly committed to a reveal. Will it happen? Probably it's a hometown company. You would think they'd use that location and that venue to show off, but they still haven't officially committed. General Motors, as far as we know, hasn't officially committed. Stellantis says they'll have two press conferences. Does that mean a vehicle reveal? Does that mean an executive talking about technology? Again, we don't know. And and in fairness, it's a little early for that, but it just doesn't look good, right? I mean, this is a new thing. Let me first back up and say, you know, why why are we talking about this? Is you know, it's not just because we're here in Detroit, you know, that's where we're based, is where the majority of the automotive news staff is. I mean, this this was a huge show from from nineteen eighty nine when Toyota and and Nissan came to Detroit to announce the creation of Lexus and Infinity. From then on, it has it was it was the North American International Auto Show. It was a major show. Every company, every major automaker around the world, CEOs from all over the world, uh, lots of uh, business getting done, a lot of uh, diplomacy <laughs> going on uh, between the companies, and started going away maybe a little before COVID, but especially then when the pandemic hit and shows had to shut down. It really suffered. It had already kind of lost some of its glamour. It had been kind of eclipsed by CES for the big news of January. I mean, I always go back to when Chevy revealed the Bolt at CES one week before the Detroit Auto Show. And then they, you know, last year they showed the potentially $30,000 electric Equinox, very exciting, you know, mainstream electric vehicle. And they revealed it on television and then just kind of plopped it on the stand at the Detroit Show uh, without any fanfare. The show has just lost a lot, and it was such a pillar of the industry. It really was. I remember even my first show as a member of the media back in 2013, one of the reveals I was supposed to cover involved a performance by Cirque du Soleil, right? right. And, I mean, it's not absurd to have automakers drop millions and millions of dollars on their reveals. They wanted to do it in Detroit. You Famously, you had the the Jeep crashing through the glass right. of Cobo Center at the time. You had the bulls running down the street in Detroit that led to some some interesting things. There was a lot of pageantry involved. It was big for the local community here. This was the place to be in January. To your point about the pandemic, a lot of brands realized that, you know, they could have all the eyeballs on them. They didn't have to compete with other people if they would just do their own virtual reveal on their own time because back at the height of the auto show as media in the media days it didn't just used to be one day there used to be multiple days <laughs> but as a reporter you'd be running from stand to stand there was a press conference every 15 20 minutes it seemed like trying to get to the next one trying to talk to the executives because they had top level executives at every single stand it's just not that anymore because the brands want to capture all the eyeballs on them they do not want to have to compete they don't want to have to share. So last year, you know, first September show, uh, the idea was to make it more of a consumer focus, get more, you know, feet on the ground, not worry as much about the news elements of it. But 
even for that, it was it was really disappointing. You know, we mentioned that along with the Detroit Three brands, we had uh, Toyota and Subaru were the only non-Detroit brands there. And they both brought really their B stands. I mean, definitely not their A stands. I don't know if they're technically their B or, or C level, but Subaru, you know, in New York and LA and Chicago, they have a beautiful stand with like, you know, a floor made of LED lights and it looks like, you know, water is running under your feet or the, and it uh, surround uh, screens, you know, just really envelops you. And it's like a virtual reality kind of world. And in Detroit, it was, you know, a little more than cars on carpet, not much more Toyota. In New York and L.A., they've got their Olympics and Special Olympics displays. You can play wheelchair basketball and try all these things. Uh, you know, the, the family can come and the kids can wear themselves out. And here it was, you know, cars on carpets and a nice sign. I think it was a little gimmicky. You had that giant inflatable duck that everybody was taking selfies with. You had the dinosaurs uh, <laughs> roaming around for some reason. I'm still not quite sure why. To a certain extent, though, I think it is beneficial for consumers. Certain stands like Ford with the Bronco and Stellantis with Jeep, you could get in the vehicles, go up artificial mountains. That was mm -hmm. kind of cool. Mm -hmm. You did have a number of ride and drives where you could actually get in vehicles and see their performance, especially electric vehicles, which is important for consumers to sort of understand and start to embrace. So on a certain level, I think the format has some benefits. It just didn't maybe translate all the way or as well as a lot of us or maybe even the show people wanted it to. And this comes back to my other, you know, big complaint uh, with the show, which is we don't even know. You know, it used to the show used to pull in close to a million people. It would be 700, 800, 900,000 a year just for the consumer days. And last year, they the show organizers would never admit, would never acknowledge a number of for the attendance. So, you know, we we don't have anything to compare it to when we when this year comes around. Uh, who knows if they'll announce a number, but it presumably was a very unimpressive number. And that's why they wouldn't reveal it. And as far as I know, that's still a very closely guarded secret by the inner super close knit group. <laughs> that's known as the, the DADA, even people close to them or who have been involved in shows in the past don't know that attendance figure. One thing that could put it in perspective, I think, is that shortly before the show days began, I'll be honest with you, I don't know the what the actual final number was, but shortly before the show was set to kick off, a week or two before, they only had about half the credentialed media that would typically be at shows. And we're talking 5,000 plus journalists from around the world. And of that 2,500 or so that had registered, a lot fewer countries, right? So mm -hmm. the, the buzz. And that was always the thing for NIAS. It was a media show. Chicago, lesser in stature, I think you could say, but it had more consumers, more attendance mm -hmm. always. Detroit was the media show and it's lost the media, or at least it did last year. Yeah. And as a consumer show, I think the market of Detroit really works against it being a successful consumer show for anyone who wants anything more than the UAW made Detroit three vehicles. You know, it's it's such a company town. And of course, that's a little bit ironic because we're talking about really three big automakers. But, you know, everybody who buys new cars, it seems like in in Metro Detroit is either works for a car maker works for a supplier or has, you know, a family member at one of them or you get a friends and family discount. Not that there aren't people who buy, you know, BMWs or Toyotas, but they know how to find them and they don't 
there isn't really a great need to market because the ROI on, on marketing, any brand that isn't a Detroit brand in Detroit is, is really hard to get a return on. That's right. And you talk about this whole idea of have auto shows lost their luster. You've seen some success this past earlier this year in New York, this past year in LA. So the other shows are not really what they once were maybe, but they're doing okay. Why is Detroit seemingly struggling so much? Back to that point, if I'm Toyota, if I'm Nissan, if I'm anybody else, why would I spend so much money to try to crack a market that I can't really crack? There's no real incentive for them to do that. Yeah, they, they, if they're going to spend money on auto shows, they want to do it in a market where they have a chance, you know, whether it's a, a big, big market like L.A. or New York or uh, just something where the consumers seem a little more open minded and up for grabs like in Chicago or Miami or Dallas or something. It seems to me, at least, that Detroit is evolving a bit into a more regional show, right? The Detroit automakers specifically. We just need to make sure that those Detroit automakers are going to supply enough you know, silks off of cars, exciting reveals, pageantry to get people to make it a worthwhile regional show even. And again, it's tough. Uh, this was the, the, one of the challenges with the switch to September and trying to do a, a consumer show. September in Michigan is beautiful. It's a really lovely time of year, which, you know, I think the organizers like to think maybe folks would want to drive here from Chicago or Ohio or whatever and make a week of it or a long weekend. But the truth is people can, you know, you've got school coming back. You've got college football getting started. You know, it's still beautiful weather for people who want to try to drive, you know, up north or do some camping before it gets cold. There's just so much more to compete with compared with, you know, January in Detroit may not have been the, the most uh, appealing destination for the journalist. But if you were living here in Detroit, it was a guaranteed something to do, you know, after Christmas and before the weather turned nice. And I think it's important to note, you mentioned this in your, your column this week, Jamie, that there were rumblings, nothing that we reported because there's nothing official there. But there were whispers that, hey, maybe they may consider January again. Maybe that wouldn't be the worst idea to consider January again. Clearly nothing ever came of that, but I think it speaks to still whether or not it was the best idea to move out of that slot at that time. Yeah. They explored June that got pandemic out. Uh, we landed on September and we'll see what the future holds, but at least we'll have a show this fall. Allegedly. Yeah. And, uh, and it also could be complicated by some UAW presence because that'll be right around when the contract is expiring and, Sometimes the UAW likes to get attention during the auto show. We'll have a nice giant inflatable rat to go next to the <laughs> inflatable duck. Michael Martinez, thanks again for joining me today on Daily Drive. Thank you. You can read more about this year's Detroit Auto Show in this week's print edition of Automotive News or at autonews.com. We will also be holding our Automotive News Congress event here in Detroit the week of the auto show. This year's event will focus on navigating the future of electrification, infrastructure, and sustainability. Speakers will explore autonomy and liability, reducing carbon emissions, the future of auto retail, and the proper role of governments in shaping industrial decision-making. The event will be on Tuesday, September 12th. You can register now at autonews.com. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News Coordinating Producer Jake Neer, as well as our own Hans Grimel, Lawrence Iliff, and Lindsey Van Hulley for their reporting for today's podcast. You can get the latest news on electrification, manufacturing, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. 
Come back tomorrow for a conversation with the new head of Cadillac, John Roth. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.